Welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And today we have a very special episode. A couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Dr. Bershani Reese to talk about incarcerated practitioners and social activism. And so today we are talking to Erica Feldman and Paige Curtin from Witch the Vote. Hello. And uh, we'd like to start out by having Erica introduce herself. You probably already know her from House Witch. If you're a millennial witch, you've definitely heard of her. Hi, um, I am Erica Feldman and I own House Witch Home and Healing in Salem, Massachusetts. So the first thing that we ask folks when they come on is, do you call yourself a witch? And what does that mean to you to be a witch? I definitely call myself a witch. you know, I loved it. I think I first really gave myself permission as an adult to call myself a witch when I read in Kelly Catrone's uh, masterwork, If You Have to Cry, Go Outside, that uh, the acronym uh, witch could be woman in total control of herself. And so even though I had, um, you know, dabbled in, you know, witchcraft and stuff like that up till that point in my life, it was really um, reading that it didn't necessarily have to be like associated with like a religious practice or a spirituality um, that I really felt like I could call myself a witch. Even though I do practice magic and I do see witchcraft as a spirituality too, I think I needed that kind of um, secular in. So, and now I consider myself sort of a, I, I also have said that I consider it like a political distinction. And I think that's true. And obviously we'll talk more about that. And lately I've kind of been seeing myself as like a business witch. So, yeah. What does what does business witch mean? Well, I think it just means that, like, I found over the last five years of having house witch that that's really my kind of medium. You know, like I really struggled with how I fit in and like what my career would be and like where all of my skills would come together. And um, turns out it's in business, and that's when I really feel like I actually do practice sort of the most magic and I'm weaving webs and I'm, you know, supporting the people in my community that I want to support. And so it's actually where I have the most like power to do um, what I want to be doing in in the world, you know? So um, that feels very witchy to me. And, and Paige, how about you? Do you consider yourself a witch and what was your path to get there? Yeah, I, I sure do. Um, being a witch is like my my favorite thing about myself, you know? Um, and Salem was actually a really big part of coming into that identity too. I mean, ever since I was, I was little, I've I've just always known and and been thrilled with all things witches and, and spooky as cliche as that is, but we came to Salem for school field trips. And then when it was time to pick college, I wasn't a lot, uh, excited about going to college by any means, but I, I figured if I'm going to go, I can at least go to one that has witches on all the sweatshirts. So um, (laughs) Salem State ended up being a really great decision for me, but I've just stuck around since then. Um, And now being here in my Saturn return and learning so much more about where I fit into a community, being a witch just really means that that's the best way that I can show up for my community and the best way that I can be present here uh, for my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And now you're the the manager at House Witch? Retail manager and spell specialist. Awesome. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Witch the Vote? 
Like, you know, I, yeah, as far as I know, you have a podcast and you've been doing a lot of initiatives to get people voting. And I'd love to hear sort of how that came to be and, you know, where we are now. Yeah, totally. I mean, and this really actually goes nicely with the sort of business witch thing because um, which the vote came out of um, like my need to feel like I was using um, the using my platform with House Witch and and um, you know reaching out to my community uh, after the 2016 election. Um, you know, I think everybody felt really overwhelmed and really powerless and really um, or you know maybe just me and the people in my community. But um, you know there was obviously a big sort of uh, response after that and. You know, I just felt like at that time, you know, I had, you know, a decent social media following and I had a community of people um, that kind of, you know, rallied around the store. And so I thought, why not try to get people involved, get people from that, you know, despair on the couch state into um, action. Um, and so we started something called the witching hour where people who came to our events um, could spend the hour before the actual event um, calling their representatives or, you know, doing other different kinds of like political actions that we would provide, you know, sort of like you see going around on Instagram, the scripts and the phone numbers and, and give people all that information so that literally you know, I know how hard it is to make space in your life for activism and stuff like that. So we were literally like, look, like you were already coming here. We're going to tell you what to say. We're going to tell you how to do it. Um, all you have to do is show up. And I really wanted to see, you know, if you give people that container, if they would show up. Um, the answer, unfortunately, was yes at first and then no. <laughs> um, and so over the years, what we've done, the witching hour then became Witch the Vote, and we decided to just try to make it more focused on elections specifically and getting people information and really reinforcing, um, especially to people who identify as witches, um, how you know, commingled, um, you know, respecting the planet and, um, you know, thinking that like, you know, oppressed people should have equal rights, um, which is I think what most witches believe in um, is also, you know, you have a civic duty then to, you know, make that happen in real life through these, you know, very, very imperfect means that we have uh, in this like crumbling democracy. But, you know, this is the system we're working with. And so, um, so anyways, so uh, now for the last couple of years that has been Witch the Vote, we've just really been, we've been trying to raise money for uh, Michelle Obama's initiative, When We All Vote. Um, we started the podcast so that we just really had um, like a direct to our listeners, like, here's what's going on. Um, I think the first episode we did purposely right before the election here. Before, the city, before yeah. the city election, yeah. Here in Salem, because we just thought like, hey, we really could tell people, you know, again, people who follow House Witch or whose values align with ours, um, really, we can just really give them like the information on these candidates um, in, in a really, you know, sort of like easy to ingest way and then maybe get, you know, um, get the turnout that we were hoping for. Um, and 
we had fun doing it and decided to keep doing it. I mean, podcasts are great, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know when you're talking about the local election, I know that um, I feel like a lot of times in more left-leaning circles, there's a real hesitation about saying, this is the person you should vote to for because people want you to say, well, this is all the information and you should make the right decision. And a lot of people don't want to do that work. And they're willing to say, okay, this is the good person to vote for. Okay, I'll do that. But they don't, they don't want to do the work to figure out who is the good person. They don't want to look at those pros and cons lists and say, well, who do I really match up with? They just want to, they want you to tell them what to do. And I think that there's a, there could be a hesitation on more liberal sides of the political spectrum of saying, no, this is who you should vote for that I think doesn't happen on more conservative sides of the political spectrum. And that's an advantage that the conservatives have that they're willing to say, just do the thing. And people say, okay. Right, well, and that's how a lot of these local politicians are staying in power is because the information about local elections and local politics isn't as widely broadcasted as the information about presidential elections or even state elections. You know, there's very rarely a Ballotpedia page that you can check out all the stats on your on your local representatives and on your ward counselors you know so a big goal of ours with which the vote was just getting people to understand that the numbers that we're working with are so much smaller on this level that our goals are so much more achievable if we're actually getting access to that information because there's some really shady shit happening on local levels, you know, that doesn't get talked about. I mean, I joke all the time that I'm, I'm yeah, Anna, you know of all people. Um, but I talk all the time about how I'm basically just like a, a Facebook mom at this point because I get all of my local politics news like from the Facebook groups that I'm in and from DMs from, from people around town. And so if we have the network to bring that information to people and encourage them even who aren't in Salem to figure out like who your local politicians are um, so that when you pass them on the street they know they know who you are and how you want them to vote um, we could see a lot more change blossoming up on a smaller level rather than um, relying on trickle down again uh, and hoping that change will come from a macro level first and then and then come to us down here <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that there's sort of a disconnect that happens from both sides, you know, like millennials aren't getting out and voting for some reason, which doesn't make sense because all millennials are kind of screwed right now because of the- Well, and that's kind of why they're not voting <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I mean, like most of the millennials I know are like grinding it out at like two different jobs. They're, you know, like paying, they're totally anxious about how much debt they're in, about what they're going to do when, you know, they have to move out of their parents' house or, you know, when their unemployment stops or whatever. I mean, not to say that like everybody I know is like, <laughs> like in the like five of pentacles card or something, but like, but, you know, I just think that like there are, you know, I think a lot of millennials are very distracted and, and um, spread really thin. Uh, that's not to say that right. I also don't think that there aren't a lot of millennials, apparently, who just don't care. I don't know who they are, though. I mean, I yeah. think that's the problem is that I, you know, I do kind of live in a bubble of like very... Uh, um, engaged engaged and you know informed and active um people but so i don't know who um aside from the ones that are just like <laughs> too busy right. 
working. I don't know who the ones are who aren't voting, but I guess there are a lot of them. Right. I'm always surprised yeah. too, because I mean, all of us, we're all part of kind of this yeah. same, like witchy, super active, super vocal, you know, bubble here in Salem. But I also feel like even in Salem, you know, we have all these young witchy people who are excited to vote and the politicians aren't taking advantage of that. Like I'll speak to our last local election cycle, uh, you know, because I'm, you know, I've participated in that political sphere. People know me and they've asked me like, oh, how do I connect with more voters? I keep saying like, you need to get out the young vote. Mm -hmm. That's the problem is that older generations, boomers, they're voting. And that I, is the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I actually, I, I would love to see demographic breakdowns of the recent primary here in Massachusetts, because yeah. I've heard that with mail-in voting being expanded, they, they're just record-breaking turnout for the primaries right. because people didn't have to find time in their day on a specific day um, that both mail-in voting and early voting were expanded and hey more people voted when it's easier like right. who would have thought so weird <laughs> yeah but you know I told these candidates uh, you know like the progressive candidates that were coming to me and asking for advice I said listen House Witch has a built-in like local activism community you need to call Aaron and set up a time and offer to do a forum for all the young witches and none of them did it yeah i mean we we had some great events with um earth angel alice merkel of course um, yeah. we did a millennials for merkel mm -hmm. event we did millennials for Medor. Um, we did millennials for Medor for christine Medor in ward two um yeah and i mean and, and jill mulholland launched her campaign oh that's right that's right we did millennials for mulholland also we, <laughs> it worked right. out that we had so many m's <laughs> right <laughs> but um you know like the at large forum wouldn't it be amazing if there was a witch hosted at large forum Oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, it sort of goes both ways. Like the millennials aren't doing the work. But the politicians are sort of not paying attention to them. And I guess, you know, that's why we're here talking about why voting is an important part of being a witch. Well, and that's been the cycle for about the last 40 years, actually. So really, like the whole time <laughs> that, you know, like we've been alive, it was really in the... Um, in the early 80s, the sort of like they let the GI Bill expire and they just sort of figured out like, oh, like young kids, like they don't vote and we don't give a fuck. And so we're not gonna do anything for them and they're not gonna do anything for us. And it just really started this whole spiral where, you know, still 40 years later, like that's the story. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that the Zoomers on TikTok are mobilizing and like <laughs> the things are going to be changing because, um, you know, or that with Trump, you know, I, I do think that there is still this opportunity with Trump that it, that he really is here to show us our shadow. And I mean, I think that's obvious, right? You know, and what we do with it. And I think there's still an opportunity for us to see that we are going to do that that young people are going to do something with it you know um they may not be answering pollsters pollsters may not be reaching out to them you know but I mean, pollsters definitely aren't talking to me so <laughs> right right you know and so it's like who knows like maybe these like kids on tiktok are just like gonna come out of the woodwork and you know it's gonna be a you know a total shutdown on election night um i have some hope for that Definitely. I mean, I especially have hope for it, given the, the amazing uh, and long time coming uprisings that have been going on since 
early this summer um, yeah. is really showing people a lot more like your city council has a lot of power. If you want to call for defunding the police and abolishing the police, that happens on a city level, you know? And so I think that's something else that Trump inadvertently kind of does for us is that every time he says like, well, I'm going to start a, a patriotism based <laughs> education curriculum and we can look at it and say, well, you actually don't have the power over curriculum. Oh, but these people do. And so people are starting to understand more what local politicians and legis legislators are actually doing and what they have power over. Because something that's that was really hard when we were able to meet in person was convincing people to come to the city council meetings because they were boring. They're a lot They're of super boring. Yeah, a lot of politics is super boring, unfortunately. It's not sexy by any means, but you would go to these meetings and if you'd really pay attention, you'd see these little nuggets of comments that the counselors would make about certain things that you would think is a no-brainer that you're like, oh my God, did they just say something super openly racist in chambers? And we just, they've been sitting on this council for 30 years now. Um, so it's, it's hard to get people to understand, like, there's a lot of intricacies here, you know, but I think people are really starting to get it. I mean, I didn't know anything about city council before the 2016 election. Right. right. I saw the lawn signs, you know, and figured like, oh yeah, that's... <laughs> My that's parents are taking care of that. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to vote until 2017 because I didn't get my citizenship until 2016. Right. And, um, you know, when I got my citizenship, it was interesting because I had people, you know, apologizing to me because they're like, oh, you just became a citizen and this is what you're coming into. You know, Trump just got elected. Honestly, I was honored because when I got my immigration welcome letter, um, you know, like they actually... I don't know why they decided to do this. So we're like, hey, instead of making people wait in the ma mail, we're just scheduling like squaring in appointments now. So I actually was in one of like the last groups of people that got to immigrate to the US and become citizens under Obama. So my letter still says Obama and that was really exciting, but people were, you know, apologizing to me like, oh, so sorry that you're coming into this. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like now I can actually do something about yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, I understand the frustration with the system, but there is a point where people have to realize that you can't just until it goes away um, you sort of have to play within it to change the rules and so the people who say I'm not going to vote because I don't like either candidate I'm honestly going to say fuck that because honestly like you're not picking a spouse I don't know when politics turned into like it has to be the perfect candidate and it has to be a superhuman and be a way better person than I can ever be because like you're not going to marry this person for the rest of your life you know if you're trying to get somewhere if you can at least get closer to where you're going it's still progress and the people who are opting out from voting are people who are not going to be hurt as badly, uh, you know, because to say, like, I'm just going to sit it out and see what happens. Like, OK, but if you're not here undocumented, if you're not trying to immigrate, if you're not worried about your reproductive rights, if you're not worried about being a minority in a million ways, then like, yeah, you can sit it out and wait and see what happens. But there are people who are going to lose their lives over this. And so, like, seriously, don't be an entitled asshole and vote. Like, sitting out is not an option. Um, yeah, I would, I would put that on a tote bag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I've been saying lately that it feels like we're in a battle for reality. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, anybody who can look at these two candidates and see them as similar in any way. I mean, again, like, if we, if, if it weren't 
2020 and we weren't in the midst of a climate crisis and um, a pandemic and like a destroyed economy and, you know, a race revolution, you know, on and on and on and on. Okay, maybe there are some similarities between Biden and Trump for sure. Like they're both old white men, obviously. Like yeah, both who are creepy with serious boundary problems, et cetera, et cetera. A hundred percent. But we are unfortunately not in that world. And we are just in the world right now where there is like, I mean, a charismatic leader of a fascist party that is, you know, just unabashedly getting more and more totalitarian like and right wing every second and then like somebody who's like just an old school politician who like knows how to play the game and talk the talk and like you know whatever but is like not a lizard person you know what i mean and so it's just kind of like i i just i mean yeah i I don't yeah i think there's a lot to say about like sometimes being an old school politician is actually in our favor because he's willing to do what he's what if people say oh we want more liberal agenda we want more he he'll be like okay like because he doesn't really seem like to have like a real firm agenda of his own no i really think that his agenda is really just to beat trump you know and i I, and and i'll just i don't have any you know like proof of this but I'll give Biden the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he really just saw himself as the best, you know, candidate to beat Trump, you know, right. like, I, I I don't think that he would have run at 78 years old. I don't think that he really thought that that was like the best idea in the whole wide world. But I think he thought I am the only one that these like people right. in the middle are going to vote for. I mean, and- that's the thing. He is mobilizing the middle. And what we need to happen is to have the left not fall off because, you know, we're not electing AOC, you know, like, you know, we still need to take this to elect Biden. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, so I mean, it's just, but this is what I'm saying, you know, it's like two, okay, two people on the left, like who don't want to vote for either, you know, whatever. I mean, guys. (laughs) I think think what's at the core of this is that like, it's not that hard. Like, you know what I mean? If it, like, especially given how, how accessible mail-in voting is becoming lately in remote voting for people that it's not like a huge inconvenience to go vote you should just go do it just yeah. just go do that yeah. it takes a second right just, depending on where you are depending on where you are i mean of course you know there's, here in salem it takes a second yeah <laughs> of course there there is a much bigger conversation about disenfranchised voters and people who don't have access to voting that yeah. i mean is, but it's like those are the people that are gonna like show up and wait in line for like hours and hours and hours. right it's the people who are like oh this is inconvenient and i'm tired of hearing about black lives matter and i'm just tired and i'm gonna right. sit it out like seriously fuck you don't be that person um you know i grew up in a country where voting is mandatory and I actually really appreciate that. If you don't vote, you have to file paperwork. That's more complicated explaining why you didn't vote. And if you don't do that, you get fined. They suspend your driver's license. Like, huh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and I actually find that really yeah. awesome. Because to, you know, to make a choice not to vote, like you, you can vote and you can you know, cast a blank ballot. You can do that, but you still have to make the effort. Like you don't get to just phone it in and call that a form of protest. And, you know, since we're here talking about, you know, being witches and what does that have to do with voting and activism? But, you know, I had one of my shamanism teachers and I 
can't remember who it was at this point, but um, she described, you know, shamans, and I sort of expand that to mean, like, anyone who is, you know, a witch and who considers themselves an ally to this planet, you know, they were the original activists because it was their job to be the bridge between, you know, the planet, the people, and the spirit world. And, you know, voting is how we can do that now. I actually think that it was a huge disservice to society when we started saying, like, oh, you can't discuss religion or politics, because you know what? That's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about my witchcraft practice, and I want to talk to you about politics, and that's all I'm going to talk about, you know? Well, and, and money, too. I always really like to say, you know, it's like it's it's in the, the powers that be. It's in their interest that we don't talk about money, like that we mm-hmm. don't talk about how much money everybody's making or not making. Um, and then, yeah, like the politics thing and, and, and religion, 100%. I mean, it's all just in, in order to keep the status quo, right? Because if right. we all were talking about these things, um, you know, there wouldn't be billionaires, uh, you know, just hoarding like all of the world's wealth because um, we wouldn't allow that. We wouldn't believe in this weird idea of the meritocracy that like Elon Musk like deserves to just have all the money when the rest of us have none of it, you know? Because like, his father owned an emerald mine. Yeah, right. And he deserved that too, you know? Yeah. Like I'm sure that emerald mine was like on um, whatever. It doesn't but, matter. But the rest yeah. of us are just gonna Venmo fifty dollars <laughs> back and forth until we die. Um and that's fine. Right? No, hundred percent. But but yeah, I mean like at when I've you know, uh I've said before, like, you know, my in my web development career, when I've worked corporate jobs, there was paperwork in the contract saying, don't discuss how much money you're making with your coworkers, which is actually illegal in Massachusetts. That's like, you know, it's it's a anti-union thing and it's actually illegal, but it was always in the paperwork and everyone was like, oh, don't talk about how, and it's just, that's why women get paid less. That's why minorities get paid less because no one's allowed to say, well, how much are you getting paid? And, you know, so that's definitely a thing. And I also wanted to say, you know, we're talking about voting and not being, you know, the, the not having the perfect candidate. And I do want to bring up again, I know I brought this up when we had Brashani on, but if you're unhappy with how the primary turned out, then definitely vote in Massachusetts this fall to vote for ranked choice voting. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so sure. Yeah, it's not just the presidential candidates who are on the ballot. There are ballot questions that are going to have really important implications for future elections for sure right and also you know vote in local elections like when people say oh it's just for my local town this my local town that like you know what that makes all the difference because you are voting on uh issues like recycling and green programs for your town you're and, voting oh housing. affordable housing right was. yeah development <laughs> affordable housing all of that is happening on a local level and you might have no idea and no, you, you exactly. know like we're in Salem. It's coastal. We need to talk about coastal protections in the environment. And you cannot be someone who considers themselves a witch who says, I love nature. And you go out in your like nice backyard surrounded by trees and you think that you're communing with nature while you're not making the effort to vote for policies that are going to protect the environment. You know, Trump is destroying the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, like, I'm just going to flat out say it. If we had just voted for Hillary, COVID wouldn't be where it is because Trump dismantled Obama's pandemic prevention <laughs> you know team oh absolutely i mean there are so many it's 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 it, it it's too much to even think of all of the different like sliding doors moments that this yeah. country has had since 
you know, we jumped the track onto the darkest timeline, but, um, you know, I definitely think, and, and I think when I say like this battle for reality, like that's one of the big things to me is looking at the response to the pandemic and, and like that people don't see that this is his fault. I mean, like, again, not the virus itself, but the fact that it got to where it got it, that, that he told right. the post office not to send people masks, that he told people it was going to go away, that, you know, we didn't know anything about it, that they didn't mandate that places shut down and people wear masks and da 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 I mean, all of the different things. And th there's probably so much shit we don't even know yet. Right. And so this is what I'm saying is that it's like you're either in the reality where 200,000 Americans are dead and it could have been prevented if somebody who had, you know, I talk a lot about the fact that his whole administ administration is understaffed because he's purged so many people out. Um, classic, again, totalitarian dictator stuff um, that there are just like so many positions in the West Wing that aren't even filled. Like that literally Jared Kushner is doing like 40 people's jobs <laughs> right now. So like, yeah. yeah, am I shocked that the pandemic response was like lackluster? No, but um, there are people who, you know, still don't even believe that the pandemic is real. And then that, you know, he's done a great job um, dealing with this not real thing. Right. Um, I mean, Ebola didn't become a global crisis because Obama sent his team to interfere before it got here, right. before it even got to this continent. And people say he overreacted. Well, no, he didn't because we were safe. And, right. you know, I'm also going to say that if you're a witch and you're refusing to wear a mask, you're not a witch because if you're a witch, you have to care about other people. You have to be doing the best that you can to support your community. And if you're just going around, you know, sneezing on everyone because you're being an entitled prick, you're not a witch. <laughs> Even if you're not sneezing on everybody, if right. you're not wearing a mask, you're yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that because I'm mad about that lady who, you know, Erica, you might have seen this, but there was some woman walking around, you know, Salem shops, not covering her face properly. And if any staff person asked the woman to cover her face, she would sneeze or cough on them on purpose. Oh my God. <laughs> Precisely why our shop is only open by appointment. Yeah, <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah. Um, so actually, I think this is uh, a good pivot to, uh, since uh, Erica and Anna, you are both shop owners in Salem, and we are entering what is usually the uh, the crazy, crazy busy season in Salem. And it's, it's from what I hear, uh, a somewhat crazy busy season. Like, what are the differences? What are you seeing downtown? What are the challenges? Yeah, I mean... Um... The challenges are many. Um, <laughs> the challenges are hungry and numerous. Um, you know, this whole year has been sort of like, um, okay, how much do I invest in certain things knowing that at any given moment, every single thing could change? Yep. Um, and so, you know, when you're in business, like obviously, you know, you do have to do a certain amount of planning. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, especially if you're the buyer for a business or something like that, you know, you, you have to plan how, how much money am I going to, how many employees am I going to have? How much stock am I going to order? And this, that has just been pretty much like impossible this year especially i mean now we do know what our october is going to look like because we're you know nine days away from it and for us that means um 
scheduled appointments five days a week and then online sales. And we just launched a new website. So, you know, that business has been picking up too. But normally, you know, it would be um, a full three to four months of revenue in one month um, for us, which would mean, you know, the staff would get much bigger. Um, we, we would just be doing a lot more business. Um, so in some ways, you know, this is nice for us because we can just kind of keep the operation small this year. October isn't necessarily, we're, we're not necessarily the type of shop that um, solely depends on October revenue, like a lot of the downtown shops are. Um, so we have a lot of fun in October, just doing like tons of business and meeting tons of people. Um, but it is pretty exhausting. And so to keep it a little bit smaller this year, um, feels fine. And honestly, it's just, that's how it has to be because I just think there are just, I mean, in addition to like the risks of getting sick, then just like what you're talking about, like the risks of people getting violent or abusive or rude about having to follow the rules with my staff. It's just not something I'm willing to do. It's just not something I'm willing to risk. Especially because we're already really visible as queer as anti-capitalist, anti-fascist. Like it just anti-white supremacist. Yeah, it just adds one more layer of of like targeting, basically. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got a one-star review that I noticed yesterday on Google for not being open. Like that was his review, one star, not open. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So um and and you know it is weird because a lot of the other most I think most or all of the other shops downtown are open like normal. Um, I know, I mean, there's still restrictions on capacity and how many people can be in um, the space at one time. But so it's definitely like, and, and yeah, people are still coming to the door. They're still expecting us to be open. You know, it, it's thriving. I, I mean, I don't think it's this, it's definitely not the same crowds that you know, it would have been without COVID, but it's, it's, it's bustling downtown and, and people are going to shops and restaurants and um, it definitely does feel weird to be an outlier and to be stepping back and just saying like, we need to be in a little bit more control of what's coming in and going out of this space. Um, Right. because no one else is doing that right. <laughs> I mean you are obviously right, right. um but at the same time it's just that's what feels right for us to do right now and you know um it'll definitely be a bummer to like miss the the festivities of um October but at the same time it's just like this these are the times that we're you know I'm I'm not trying to be in denial about what's going on right now you know and what's going on right now is that you know, there's a big pandemic making lots of people sick. And then there's a big part of the population who just wants to, um, like, buck the system for no reason. So uh, it's just, you know, I don't know. It just feels like a time to... Right. I mean, I would say that, you know, as witches who hold community space, it's our responsibility to not become COVID spreading, you know, centers. <laughs> like, Definitely. Well, and a lot of people who are coming in for their appointments too are, are saying that they are they're only coming because it's a private appointment and it, it's also like 
it's a, it feels like a nice offering for people too after being trapped in their houses for so long that instead of just like opening the doors and you know letting crowds in that we're saying you know come by yourself or with a few friends like take take some time to just um you know be be in the energy of the space and be present without really without having to worry you know it's it's a treat for people and i think there's a lot of magic in that too yeah i think that the um as with all things, the loudest people are the people who are noticed. And so you notice the people walking around in huge crowds who aren't wearing their masks properly and who are not obeying the rules. But the people, I mean, I've barely left my house in six months. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. I order I order my groceries and I go to the grocery store and I pop the trunk and they put them in. And like, that, that's me going out of the house. I went to the bank today to, to deposit a check. That was my like, you know, Right. Uh, load up with hand sanitizer but you know i mean you don't see me because i'm hiding in my house right, so, right. Uh, so i think that there's two very different responses to what's going on and of course well, there are people in the middle that are you know doing a little bit of obviously you guys are out working but kind of you know yeah i'm running errands yeah. i'm running errands i mean i had i moved so you know there yeah. were like some trips to the container store and stuff like that but um but no, but you know what, Becca, we are seeing people like you because you're ordering online, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Right. And so that's a real advantage that we have at House Witch, you know, and of course there are other businesses in Salem that have online um, presences as well. But um, for us, the fact that, you know, we did already have that up and running, obviously, you know, for a few years um, before this all happened. And then, you know, we really took the time the last six months to just pivot everything we could to online. And then we... Uh, now have upgraded with this website. So we're in a really good spot to just, you know, promote the heck out of online. And, and, and we've been doing really well because of the Beccas of the world, you know, and, and we're so grateful to you because, you know, I, I was just, I mean, I'm still really, really touched by all of the orders that we get, but even, you know, in the early days when so much was unclear and people were losing their jobs and they didn't know if we were going to get loans and stimulus checks and all this other stuff and 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 but people were so um supportive of small business and i just think that that was you know yeah it really, really a difference it, it, it really <laughs> did you know it definitely like i think it really changed my whole mindset around being able to even stay in business you know, I think, I think, you know, that first week there, I would have been like, well, we're going to be, I mean, we're Done. definitely going to be out of business. Like, I mean, you know, you know, like cute millennial, like witchcraft is not, can't be recession proof, you know? And, um, what's cool is that it is, you know, and, and, and what's cool is that, you know, I, we've just tried to operate in a world in which, you know, we are giving people healing. We are giving people tools for healing and medicine and, and for creating the kind of world that we want to live in, not the one that we do, you know, like tools for coping with the world that we do live in yeah. and for creating the one that we want to live in. And I think it's been a good time to be in that business because I think those are two things that people are really um, craving right now. And so I'm just really grateful that that is the business that I'm in because that's also what I feel really good about sending out into the world right now and asking and 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 taking people's money for <laughs> frankly well, it's, you know? a, it's a great way of of looking forward to the you know what comes after this like 
this big tower moment that we're having as a nation and, and as a global community as well, building the kind of, you know, we call it our little utopia bubble that we, we have this great community of artists and witches and friends and people who have a very clear vision of what the right world could look like. Um, it really helps with the, with the daily despair, you know, with the, right. <laughs> with the oh my God, we're never going to get out of this because we are getting out of it. You know, there, there are people who are already working um, on, on building this, this new world, even as we're working on dismantling the old ones. So there's, there's so much, you know, as above, so below resonance, um, liminal space there that, um, I mean, I've, I, if I didn't have the, the shop to go to this whole time, I would have just <laughs> closed my curtains and taken, <laughs> taken to my, my fainting bed a long time ago. <laughs> totally. I, I would have gone full Emily Dickinson. Just <laughs> yeah, I admit, I, I panicked, you know, going into this, my business did not function online um, as much as yours did. And that to me was really scary. And I'll flat out say like, I didn't get a PPP loan. I applied and I got turned down. And I, you know, the shop is everything. I don't have anything outside of that. And so it's it's really despairing and scary. And this is also, of course, a great time for us to remind people that, uh, you know, I've already said that we sort of can't pretend that the system doesn't exist. We have to make change from within. And so that means, you know, voting with your wallet is also a thing. Support the witches and small businesses that you want to see still exist at the end of this, because, you know, we're not independently wealthy people that are just going to somehow still miraculously be there at the end. Like, you know, if you well, want us to be here, you have to support. I want to, I want to even like push that a step further and say, not just support small businesses, but go even further into that. Like, look at how those small, who owns those small businesses, right? What do they do with their, like a thing for me in the beginning that I could just measure a way that I was, um, you know, being even more sort of like community conscious was in the beginning of COVID, I stopped ordering. I, we don't really carry much, um, many products from anything corporate, anything above the level of like, my friend, so-and-so yeah. makes this pot, you know, but, right. um, but I, I stopped ordering anything that came from like a corporate publisher or you know, even even sort of like larger small businesses um, in order to just send people to, just be able to send money to the people who I could kind of like suss out, you know, were more vulnerable um, during this time. And, and, and so I think it's important because, you know, there are plenty of small businesses that don't actually have very ethical practices in terms right. of what they carry, who makes it, you know, um, where they get it from, how many middlemen make money along the way, um, you know, whereas like the artists in themselves is not getting paid very much. So I just want to stress to people too, like, I like, first of all, thank you for shopping small business, no matter what, but like, you know, you could even go a step further and, you know, look into that small businesses practices too. And, you know, I mean, you don't need to like, everybody doesn't need to have a perfect score on the report card. I certainly don't, you know, but, um, but I just, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I made the choice when COVID started was like, you know, I 
as a business, part of my work has been, you know, sourcing things from different places. And I've also tried to focus on, you know, US made smaller businesses, et cetera. But then I was also like, you know, I'm screwed right now, but so is Katie who makes my candles. So is Zoe who makes my cross-stitch kits. And you know, these are queer, witchy right. activist people. And so that's what I said, like, I'm going to reorder from them to help them. And then I'm gonna try like hell to market that because it helps, you know, me survive, but it also trickles down to, you know, these people who I'm working with directly and it makes a huge difference, you know, to us, to them, to, you know, keeping millennials going. No, a hundred percent. And I think that that's, you know, and I, I was saying this at the beginning of um, COVID and, you know, I just, and I think it's just really, it's, it's about like community is going to be what gets us out of this, you know, or, or what, um, and I think there, we probably all have stories about, you know, how it already has, how, you know, the people in your community really came through for you in a way that you weren't expecting, or even just, you know, one of your friends did something that just really, you know, made your day or changed your, uh, you know, maybe you were in a place of despair and somebody just really came into your, you know, life on a personal level and, and made you feel better and, you know, whatever. But that's what we, like, have. <laughs> you know, because it's just like, yeah, like the people in power and even after this election, like they're not <laughs> going to do it, you know, I mean, truly. So it really is up to us. And I think that, you know, if my business in my life is just one example of like, you know, I, I'm just always like, oh, I can just do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I'm in charge here and I can just do that. You know, if I want to just take the money we made from that one thing and just like do that with it instead, like I can do that because I don't answer to anybody else. Right. And I think the more that we are all empowered in our own lives to be able to say and do things like that, um, that's really, I think, how we're going to liberate ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the time that we're recording this episode, you know, it's October 3rd when folks are listening to it, but, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just passed away. And, you know, I'm making a decision in my business. You know, I, I own a you know knitting witchy shop, but a lot of people are now saying, oh, I need to knit Ruth Bader Ginsburg inspired things. And I'm going to be donating 10% of all of that to the ACLU. And so, you know, I'm glad that people want to knit more because it means that I can, you know, keep buying the meds that my cat with a cardiac problem <laughs> needs. But um, also it gives me the opportunity to then, you know, pay it forward and donate a portion of that. And, you know, it all, it's all connected, right? Um, and that's witchcraft, right? Yeah, I mean, that's witchcraft. That is business witchcraft. I mean, Erica, so one of the things that you taught me is to try and make business decisions that are not based on fear of scarcity. So like most of the things that I'm doing, I'm terrified because I'm like, I'm spending money that I really hope comes back because I need to, you know, buy food. And trying to not have that fear from a place of scarcity really helps. So I'm making decisions, just believing that like, yes, it'll come back and I'll be okay. And you're right. Like that is witchcraft. It is. It's a hundred percent witchcraft and it's not easy, but it is 100% necessary. It's, you know, I mean, if you look at it at the end of the day, what you do as a business owner is spend money. <laughs> like that's what you do. You are spending money. You're just like, am I spending money on my lease, on my commercial space? Am I spending money on my payroll? Am I spending money on inventory? Either any way you cut it, it's like you're spending money. So if you're terrified of spending money all the time, and I'm coming from a place of like, when I started my business, I absolutely was in this place. Um, it just makes it, it doesn't stop you from having to spend the money. 
it just, you're just terrified while you're doing it, you know? And so if you just cut out the step where you're terrified and you just say, I am in flow, I am in, the universe is operating through me in this, so I know I can't be wrong, I just have to keep going and I just have to keep doing it. And, you know, looking back, like, I can't believe where, like, the house witch business is um, in terms of, you know, what our, what our kind of like revenue and, and, and how much business we do. I, I, I can't believe it. And so it definitely just came from somewhere um, else that I trusted in. Yeah. Well, and I think that that whole idea of uh, not coming from a place of a scarcity mindset, it's not just a business thing too. I mean, that's where all of, all of our fears come from is from fear that if somebody else gets something, there won't be enough for us. If this person is on government assistance, then there's not going to be enough for me. Or if this person getting, you know, a a scholarship to college, then there's not going to be enough for this person. And it's this weird, this weird dance of just being so scared of other people having something because that means that there's less for you. And I think for witches, we know that there's always enough, that there's always somewhere to conjure it from and there's always somewhere to create it and pass it forward. And that cycles always come back around. Um, So I think all of those ideas just like wrap up together, you know, really perfectly. Since you said government assistance, I'm actually going to do a little PSA here. Like, y'all, don't fall for Trump's bullshit about no payroll tax. You're going to have to pay that all back later. So for people who don't know what that is, is that he's suspending payroll tax until next year. But it's not a break on that. You still have to pay it come tax season. He just wants it to make it look like you're making more money now leading up to the election. So please, please, please don't fall for that. Now uh, that aside is done is, you know, I think if you are, if you were like going to base voting on Trump on the payroll tax, I mean, um, you know what? There are people I like, there I are uncle that is, yeah. But people do that, you know, they, they vote based on, on money. And that is especially true of the most vulnerable people who don't necessarily have the educational tools to understand what this actually means like there are people who are voting for him because he gave everyone a stimulus package and right. they're like oh see he helped us like no if he had not allowed the pandemic to do this we wouldn't have needed it in the first place but anyway but you know at the beginning when we were asking you about what it means to be a witch and we've talked about you know like the voting aspect as being integral as part of you know our activism as you know allies for this planet um, but you did mention that witchcraft for you also is you know a spiritual practice and I guess would you be willing to share a little more about what that means like what does it mean to be a witch to you in your spiritual life in your personal life and you know I know that that eventually ties back to what you're sharing you know in your business but yeah I mean that's a good question and you know I don't know that I have a good answer um, because I'm definitely not a religious person. Um, I think that for me though, you know, witchcraft just is my higher power, um, if that makes sense, which sort of means that like, I am my own higher power in a way. Um, and so, you know, I, I think of just how I live my life in that framework really. Um, and, and I believe in, you know, the universe. And I believe that there are tools and practices that help us to be in touch with our highest and best self and, um, and to ground us in the earth and to open us to, you know, divine cosmic energies. And that, um, you know, when we're doing all of these things and we're just really trying to be the best 
possible version of ourselves that we can be, then we are in alignment with the universe. And, but I think that those tools and those rituals that I find to be helpful are on the witchier end of things. So, you know, I, I do, you know, align my life somewhat to the cycles of the moon. And I do believe in the like healing powers of crystals and herbs and tinctures and potions and, um, and, you know, and I believe really strongly in, um, you know, the presence of energy and the movement of energy and how that affects our lives. And um, so I think that that is sort of my rambling Gemini take on my spirituality and how it relates to witchcraft. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Paige, how about you? Um, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's such a, a funny line between like, I, I love witchcraft because it's so logical. It just makes so much sense. You know, it's, of course, the energy during a waning moon is the energy of shedding and of letting go. Of course it is. That makes total sense. Of course, we know that crystal vibrations are real because we can feel it and we can measure it. And so much of the magic that we do and the spells that we do is provable and measurable. And I just love the magic in that. There's always another connection that when you learn about it you're like oh my god of course of course that color corresponds with this because when you look into how our eyes perceive color blue pings the center of our brain and it all just connects so beautifully it's such a perfect puzzle and it's such a perfect outlet for curiosity i mean there's always something new to learn and something new to explore and i mean i'm just obsessed with it i just love it <laughs> you know it's it's my favorite thing to do um and as a kid i mean i was i was raised loosely um irish catholic and i was never like stoked to go to church or like stoked to go pray but i get so excited to do spells and to read spell books and like yeah, it's just my favorite thing. Yeah. Becca and I have kind of a running joke because like the vast majority of people who are on this podcast are former Catholics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. I Catholics bet. are witchy. I mean, I'm, I'm baptized Catholic, but we didn't really practice. We were definitely more like sort of Protestant Christians in my house growing up. But, um, but my mom is Catholic and yeah, Catholics are witchy. Like people come into the store all the time and are like, oh, my mom will get freaked out about this stuff. She's Catholic. And I'm like, your mom has a statue buried upside down in her front yard. And <laughs> right. that is witchier than anything. Like, I'm, you know, like, I'm like, I, I promise you, your mom is doing witchier shit than me, but whatever. Right. I mean, you know, I was, I grew up Roman Catholic and when you see, you know, the rituals of, you know, bread becoming transmuted into the body of Christ and you drink wine, like that is exactly the same as the great rite in witchcraft rituals. Yeah. Well, I was, the religion really that I was raised with is AA because both of my parents were in recovery and in AA, they talk about finding the God of your understanding. Um, and that really, you just have to have something that you consider to be a higher power. And I really like that, you know, and, and I have to say that like, as a sort of, um, foundation of morals and ethics and all of this kind of stuff, like AA is like not bad. Um, and just being a more secular person in general too. I think that I really, um, AA is Alcoholics Anonymous for anybody who doesn't know that. And it's a, 
um, 12-step recovery group for people who drink and do drugs and don't want to anymore. And it's just a way of, you know, again, putting your, the same kind of thing, putting your faith into a higher power um, and also knowing that you yourself are empowered to be a higher and better person and, um, you know, whatever. And, and so I, I just, um, so that was always, again, like, that was always an important idea to me, like the God of your own understanding, you know, and that everybody has. And I think that's the reason why I kind of like shrink away from like religion, organized religion, is that I feel like religion and spirituality is such a personal thing um, that it just doesn't sit with me that you would share it with other people. <laughs> um, I realize I'm in the like vast minority on planet earth, but um, that is how I feel. So. You're really not, because Becca and I actually just had a conversation in a recent episode about how so many of the people that we talked to on here really shun the idea of organized group practice because they've had such negative experiences with it. And that's one of like the push and pulls that Becca and I have is that because I describe witchcraft as my religion. And a lot of people who come on here say, oh, no, I'm spiritual and I believe in the divine, but I'm not religious. And I call it my religion on purpose because I'm trying to reclaim that that language because you know what it is how i communicate with the divine yeah that's your yeah. truth it's yeah. witchcraft and that's why it's my religion but when you say religion people think fanaticism they think the big three religions and you know what in the same way that i'm not going to let someone say that witch is a bad word i'm not going to let people destroy what religion is because religion can be something beautiful and it's the way that you communicate with the divine and the fact that religion has become politicized is absurd <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think that, you know, that is what everybody has to do. You know, that is how everybody is divine is when they act in their own truth, right? So, you know, um, that is a really important thing for you to do to like whole, you know, represent like that religion can be awesome because witchcraft is religion and well, I love <laughs> witchcraft it is awesome. I love it too, because I mean, there's still even, you know, in 2020, there's still this really funny um reaction that people have when you say oh i'm a witch that they they think of it as like this mythical creature that like do witches exist are witches real inside the mysterious world of witches and i think calling it a religion <laughs> really gives people the gateway to start thinking of witch the same way that we would think of somebody saying you know i'm christian or i'm jewish or i'm you know i identify as these things it's a really important um just way of, of just yeah claiming I yeah. guess that that the importance of that to your life um yeah and like proving that we're not cryptids <laughs> right and that's the thing it's like like you there's something about saying and you know of course there's people who live a very public lives as witches but when you say I'm a witch there's people who look at you like oh does that mean that you're kind of stupid because you believe in these things and I'm like really because have you looked at the mythology of your religion and that's the other thing where people bristle like when i talk about christian mythology and people say oh that's insulting no literally any you know any collection of stories about the creation of the world and how the world operates is mythology so yes the story of jesus is christian mythology but you know the stories of the divine it's all mythology and to get uppity about calling it mythology because you take that as offense is ridiculous yeah so i mean i like we've talked before like i consider paganism as my religion and witchcraft as a practice that is intersectional but not the same oh, that's um but you know talking about like mythology and religion i um i co-mod a facebook group for hellenic polytheists 
and the number of people who are like, I'm new, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they confuse the mythology with the religion. Like, I don't want to worship Hera. She's such a bitch. It's like, well, that's a story. And historically, like, there are no temples to Hera the bitch. Like, she's, <laughs> you know, like... That's no, like yay, bitchy Hera. They're like yeah. <laughs> so. It's like you know, like mythology is written by people, and a lot of it is like just really old fanfic, and <laughs> um, like that you can't like that's you can't really, you can definitely be inspired by it in your religion, but you can't base a religion on that, knowing that like you know millions of Christians have based their religion on stories that people wrote in a book. But I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> so same well but that's what i mean about like witchcraft and science are just so intimately linked together that's part of what i love about it is is just like so much of it is inarguable you know i mean you know one of my teachers uh, along the line has been Lori cabot and um you know one of the things that she does in the way that she teaches witchcraft that i think is really useful is because she teaches um uh, one section on witchcraft as a religion, and then she has another one on witchcraft as a science. And we talk about vibrations and the way that things are impacted and affected by our practices. Um, there's a good book called um, Stalking the Wild Pendulum that's worth reading. And, um, you know, one thing that I think that is really beneficial for people is if we stop, if we look at Western science and understand that science is still uh, you know, it's a paradigm, it's a framework for working, for looking at things, and it's not indisputable fact either. And I don't say that as someone who disputes science, but, you know, like when a Western scientist goes to visit um, an indigenous culture and they look at it from a distance and say, like, oh, yes, all these things that they're seeing, they're experiencing, like, obviously, they're primitive people and they don't get it. And our view is correct. Like, really? Uh, you know, th like, that's incredibly colonialist and prejudiced. And it really impacts the way that uh, the world functions. Uh, like, for example, like in psychology, in schizophrenia, in the U.S., if you have a schizophrenic episode, you are considered schizophrenic forever, and you're just a schizophrenic in remission, and that changes the way that people look at you. Uh, in India, schizophrenia, each instance is seen as a separate, as, as its own thing, but they also see it as a uh, a portal to communicate with divine energy. And so these people are supported and treated in a completely different way uh, within their medical system than than it is here. And you know, who are we to say that like no Western scientists are correct? Like that's absurd. And so, you know, like, yes, look at facts. Like it's one thing to look at a scientific study and say like, I can see the correlation, I can see the causation, but to then assume that the entire attached framework is correct right. is kind of a step too far. Oh, yeah, there's definitely observer bias that happens as well. Right. That, you know, you, you understand the things that you've already been taught. And so if something is outside of that framework, it takes a lot more thought to understand it. And that comes into sexism as well, that like, you know, throughout history, most of our books have been written by men and they've been written by white men. And they've been, you know, like you can like get it smaller and smaller and smaller until, you know, they've been written by English and German men, uh, you know, so. No, I think that like, you know, I think that anybody that is interested in, you know, if you're just getting started on a, um, you know, a witchcraft journey, like be prepared for how much you're gonna need to unlearn about the world. And I mean, honestly, for anybody getting started on any kind of journey, I want to encourage you to like unlearn a lot of what you know about the world because 
I just think that, you know, we need to be able to hold things really loosely, you know? I mean, I just think like, I think that a lot of our problems in the world come from people just trying to just like white knuckle grip some version of stability or some explanation for what's going on in the world or like whatever. And, 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 and that's how we've gotten here, you know, to this place where we're all like doubling down on like, you know, just completely like opposing frameworks for like existence, you know? And I just think like being able to hold things lightly, being able to like consider like what Western medicine does, but then also be able to consider that like Western medicine is just that. It's literally like a part of the world's like framework for how to understand medicine, you know? And there's like huge other parts of the world that like do not, that, that do it differently. We're just like, you know, indoctrinated to think that like this is the only way that it can be and, and, and whatever. And, you know, once you start loosening that and once you start unlearning those things and, and that, that energy is in movement and you're allowing for other energies to come in, that is, I think, a really important part of witchcraft right. and it comes back to you know decolonizing your practice because when you're going into it with those assumptions of western framework is right you approach other things with that kind of savior complex and that idea that you know better and you're going to teach other people and you're not really being receptive and the whole point of being a witch is to learn to exist in the context that you live in and be in tune with that and if you're coming into it with preconceived notions you're definitely going to be butting up against yeah. What the world is trying to teach you like you can't learn if you've already decided totally yeah there's i mean there's always something else to learn because everything's always changing i mean the way that we the ways that we relate to each other are always changing the ways that we can see our impacts on nature and on the environment are always changing and i mean let's face it especially in the u.s like we haven't even learned our own correct history right we, we haven't even learned what actually happened on this land and to the people who lived here before us you know the fact that we were talking earlier about salem needing um to protect ourselves from you know building on wetlands and from coastal flooding and all that wouldn't even really be a concern if we had just listened to the indigenous people who lived here originally and lived here seasonally so that they wouldn't overload the land. You know, there's, yeah. there's a ton, ton, ton of unlearning to do. And um, yeah, I mean, if more, if people could, could just, could, could just occasionally say, Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> you know, or right. oh, maybe I was wrong or I've changed my mind. Like, Oh my gosh. That oh my God. Crazy. I have to tell you, like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love, I mean, just, be like water. That's what Bruce Lee used to say. Be like water, you know? Just let it all be, like, let yourself be wrong. Oh my God, it's, it's so liberating. liberating. Let yourself be wrong. Don't have secrets. Be transparent. That, it feels so good. You don't, you know, talk to everybody about everything. Talk to them about money. Talk to them about politics. Talk to them about whatever. Just, like I said, I mean, just keep it light. Keep it clear. Don't hold on to anything too tight. Yeah, yeah being willing to change your mind, I think, is really important, at, you know, for being a witch because like you will be wrong and like and i'm going to tie back to politics when we, people talked about hillary like well she changed her mind she used to think this and i'm like well thank goodness she's capable of evolving oh critical right. thinking Imagine. You know? yeah. talking about education like what do you have coming up for october that people can tune into to you know grow yeah, totally. Well, so um, we are doing our full moon circles. There's a full moon on both the 1st and the 31st. We're calling it a power portal. We opened up a bunch more spots. Um, obviously, we do these virtually now. We used to do them in the store, um, but it's really fun to do them virtually because people can come from all over the world. Um, 
and they have that and that's fun. Um, so we have those. Um, Paige, why don't you tell them about the Claudia Fox Tree event yeah. on Indigenous Peoples Day? Yep, I'm really excited for that one on October 12th, which is Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, Claudia Fox Tree, who's a local um, educator on Native, um, specifically Arawak um, culture and appropriation, and how to how to be a good accomplice to Indigenous nations, is going to come and do um, a virtual lecture with us. So I think it'll be, um, she's brilliant. I've, I've seen her speak a few times. Um, one of which was at Salem women's history day, um, at the witch house. And I think she's going to have, um, just a really great presentation. So we're doing that on October 12th. Um, and then on October 22nd, we're going to have Kristen Soleil, who is the author of, um, which is sluts feminist and cat call reclaiming the film. She's coming to do a talk about her new book about, um, some historical sites from the European witch hunts um, and talking about the um, ethics of tourism in spaces of trauma and just the um, history of European uh, witches and persecution and all that. So got a lot going on. <laughs> and I'm going to be on a panel. I'm officially, I've officially peaked. I am now considered an expert and I will be on a panel of experts for uh, the Peabody Essex Museum on October 15th um, with Juliet, Juliet Diaz, who is uh, another uh, incredible uh, working witch um, about the Salem witch trials, uh, I believe. <laughs> um, it's going to be really, really cool. And that is at 4 p.m., I think, um, on the interwebs on October 15th. Yeah. And then, you know, we're going to put out a couple more Witch the Vote episodes in the next month here as our bandwidth allows just to make sure that we're really touching on like the ballot questions here in mass and um, some other kind of more locally focused um, things for people. And um, that's awesome. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, one of the things that we really want to, um, present to people is that, you know, this October 31st, it's Samhain, it's All Hallows Eve, it's Halloween, however you want to say it. It's a full moon. It's the second full moon in October, and it's three days before this damn election. And, you know, I just think there is so much potential for witches to do so much awesome magic that night to realign the world's which it needs really badly right now. So, you know, definitely stay tuned um, to, you know, House Witch, social media, uh, newsletter, stuff like that, because um, we do have a big spell that we're putting together that, um, you know, you can buy, you know, the kit from us, or you can just download like the spell part and do it on your own. The goal is just that on Halloween, we have as many practicing witches as we can, um, doing some awesome realignment, ancestor liberation work. Um, and then we're all going to go vote. Yes, that's awesome. All right. Well, so before we wrap up, where can folks find you online? So you can find Housewitch uh, at Housewitch on Instagram, H-A-U-S-W-I-T-C-H. And the website is um, housewitchstore.com. And then Witch the Vote is at Witch the Vote on Instagram, witchthevote.com. Uh, and you can find the Witch the Vote podcast on all of the usual places. Oh, and um, Paige is Junk Witch. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Instagram. Junk underscore witch. And 
Yeah, and I'm just house witch. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, to our listeners, as usual, if you have any questions, you can email us at askawitch at witchcitywitches.com. Um, Becca and I are still available for tarot readings, which you can book through our website. And my tarot class on unlocking the core cards is currently open. Um, so visit all of us at our various witchy places. And thanks so much. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. Oh, it's so nice to talk to you.